welcome to Mix Farm Page. Today we'll be discussing the paper entitled Pain and Quality of Life After Laparoscopic Excision of Endometriosis. This study looked at patients who had undergone a laparoscopic excision of endometriosis for pelvic pain and evaluated its impact on their quality of life utilizing the Endometriosis Health Profile Validated Questionnaire. We are fortunate to have two of the authors of this paper, both hailing from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, Dr. Nora Reindos and Dr. Nicole Donnellan. Thank you both for being here so kindly to talk about this paper. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for the invitation to talk about this paper. You know, we counsel patients quite often about uh, endometriosis and performing surgery for that indication. And this kind of is a perfect uh, paper for us to kind of refer to when patients ask how they will do after surgery. So I kind of want to just jump right into it and ask, what was your motivation for performing this study? Thank you for the opportunity for us to sit down and talk with you about this paper. Our motivation for this study was to really have a better understanding of the benefits and effects of surgery on our patients in kind of a longitudinal fashion so that we could know and better counsel our patients about um, how long surgical benefits may may persist after their initial procedure. I see that you guys utilized um, one metric to kind of validate, I guess, how patients were doing after the surgery called the Endometriosis Health Profile Questionnaire, or EHP-30. Could you guys kindly describe what is EHP-30? And do you guys just use it for research purposes? Or do you also use it in your patient's visits and follow-up? So the EHP-30 is a validated disease-specific questionnaire for endometriosis. Actually, I should say the only validated disease-specific questionnaire. And it consists of a total of 30 questions that cover five health-related pain domains. Uh, those are pain, control and powerlessness, emotional well-being, social support, and self-image. Um, and it's a scale similar to many that we use in the literature that a lower report is actually better in terms of quality of life. Um, it is another thing in what Dr. Rindos had just said, kind of another driving force behind this is that very few studies to date clinically have actually used the EHP-30. So we just wanted to try to use this disease-specific uh, questionnaire. We actually don't use it. We've only used it in our uh, studies to date. We actually have a biobank that we uh, collect specimens for. And at time of collection and four weeks later, people fill out the EHP. Uh, so this is how Noah and I decided, hey, we have this huge group of people that we could follow up two to seven years later. Let's do it. But currently nothing clinical in our office. As we start to move into a world of telemedicine, there may be more of an interface with technology and patient interactions. So something that might be hard for a patient to spend 20 or 30 minutes in the clinic on, um, they might be more willing to go through while they're at home. Um, so I think it's something we could look into going forward as well, both for research purposes, but also just to give kind of a baseline number and baseline understanding of how the patient's pain was before, and then help us um, looking after their surgery or down the road, say, well, you know, you started off at this level and, you know, we got you down to this level and it's persisted. So that's actually pretty great um, overall because, you know, like all things, as time goes on, we kind of forget how things were before surgery. Can you kindly review figure two and summarize your study findings regarding both the four-week post-op and the long-term follow-up of patients using the EHP-30 after their endometriosis surgery? In uh, figure two, as you had alluded to, this is uh, somewhat of the meat of our results. We had a total of uh, 46 patients that um, had completed the EHP-30 at baseline, so prior to their surgery, uh, which is the red bars, um, at four-week follow-up, which is the light blue bars, and at 
from an interval of two to 6.8 years in follow-up, which is the dark blue bars. Um, and each box represents um, the, starting in the upper left, the overall score, and then the five different domains I had mentioned. Uh, and overall, the one-line take-home is that there was a uh, significant improvement um, in overall scores, as well as each uh, subset or domain uh, from pre to post-op four weeks that persisted for up to the 6.8 years following the surgery. That's amazing. Is this the first kind of study that kind of followed out this long, uh, patients for the point after surgery? Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, in terms of, that's what you we were thinking about this being retrospective um, and you know, some of the reviewers saying obviously prospective and randomized control trials, that wouldn't we like to have that on everything? But if you kind of harken back to the, uh, the landmark trials, if you would, of the 90s, the Sutton, the Abbott articles, um, they do show that I, some sort of surgical intervention for endo, be it uh, fulguration or excision works, but those, they're great because there are CTs and there are even sham surgeries, uh, studies, which are, you know, nearly impossible to come by now, um, but would be really hard to get through an IRB since we see that surgery does work. So now we are trying really hard as kind of the fight, if you would, in the literature is what's better, fulguration or excision or are they equivalent? Um, so being able to say with fair certainty that our patients do decently well up to six to seven years, I think is pretty powerful. It looks like in table four, you compared the long-term quality of life based on the HP30 of those patients who had excision endometriosis, either fertility sparing versus those who had definitive surgery with a hysterectomy and found that there was no statistical significance in the quality of life between these two methods of surgery. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so this was one of the really exciting things about the study for us is that historically there's been this approach where if you have bad endometriosis, kind of no matter how old you were, what we would do is we'd go in and we'd take everything out, right? So we'd take your ovaries out, take your uterus out. Um, and this paper really demonstrated that there actually might not be a lot of benefit to that, which, which instead, if you go in, you are able to really do a good um, removal of the endometriosis and um, take out all the disease process, uh, women may be able to have fertility sparing surgery. And if childbearing is something that they want to do, it would be an option that would remain on the table for them while also getting their quality of life back um, with an improvement in pain as measured by the EHP30. Do you think that the results potentially could be any different if you did a sub-analysis looking at patients with any type of imaging modality that was concerned for adenomyosis? So I think that is an interesting question um, in terms of obviously adenomyosis is uh, tricky with MR with some ultrasound and with MRI, you can with some certainty say, although it's still definitively like with endo, uh, a diagnosis at time of uh, removal <laughs> of the disease, which would be correct to me. Um, if anything, I think that if you, if you, you know, in the definitive surgery uh, group, we would have addressed endo and adeno, correct? But in the fertility or uterine sparing, presumably there might be some pain over-reported in that cohort that exists in our study um, that might be uterine. You bring up a good point. Do you think any of the sustained long-term improvements in the EHP30 can be accounted for with time and patients approaching menopause? Yeah, so one of the tough things about pelvic pain in general is, you know, all the different factors that can play into it. Um, as far as the um, effect of menopause or kind of, you know, approaching um, the menopausal state, um, we think it's pretty unlikely that had a large influence um, just 
Um, looking at the average age, the mean age of our patients in this study was 32.5, um, with a range of 20 to 48. So it is possible that some of this effects, you know, in the um, portion of the cohort that was say 45 or older as they went through menopause, that could have influenced it. Uh, it's, it's um, as you know, for taking you know care of um, patients with pelvic pain, there can be so many different factors um, that are involved. Um, for example, we didn't control for the use of um, hormonal therapy afterwards, such as agestin or birth control pills or pelvic floor physical therapy. And I think that's just one of the really big challenges of research in our field is we don't have, you know, great markers that we can measure. We don't have um, CA-125 that we can follow to look for recurrence disease. Um, and it, so it can be complicated for sure. Thank you both for taking the time to discuss this very interesting article. I think as makes providers... Endometriosis is a little bit of our bread and butter, and we often take care of patients to try to improve their lives, to try to decrease their pain and improve their quality of life. And the fact that you guys went out there and tried to seek uh, answers about how long uh, we can improve that quality of life for these patients is just amazing. It really gives us more information that we can provide to our patients when we talk to them before we take them to the operating room. Thank you for drawing attention to this subject. Endometriosis is such a hard disease to study, and we know it's such a debilitating common disease, yet we know so little about it um, and the longitudinal effects it has in people's lives. So we're hoping that this will lead to more study down the road and become something that we can get to do a better job of quantifying and really starting to understand for our patients' sake. Thank you all for tuning in to Mixed Front Pages Month. We look forward to having you next month as well. 